where have we been? What are some things yeah. that we've seen this past year uh, as we've come to Synod 2023 and now uh, and all the events that have taken place afterwards? Well, the big question, the big word, the word of the year in the Christian Reformed Church was gravamen. Um, <laughs> Without I mean, a doubt, that's yes. That's got to be the case. Welcome to Reformed Podmatics, a weekly podcast hosted by Pastor Mark Van Dyke and Pastor Zach Dewey of Almond Valley Christian Reformed Church in Ripon, California. In each episode, we strive to apply Reformed theology to life and ministry in the 21st century. Thanks for joining us for this week's conversation. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to yet another episode of Reformed Podmatics. I am Pastor Zach. And I'm Pastor Mark. And we would like to start off just by saying Merry Christmas to you all and Happy yeah. New Year for whenever you're listening to this. Uh, this will likely be our last episode of the of the year. Uh, we're taking a slow week next week around here. And so we decided this week it might be helpful and, and fun or maybe even a little encouraging for us to look back uh, with a year in review episode of the Christian Reformed Church in North America, just sort of taking stock of what has taken place and reflecting on uh, some of the decisions that have been uh, been made through Synod this past year, and also some of the uh, actions and goings-on that have continued to rever- reverberate throughout our denomination uh, as churches and classes all, all around the United States and Canada respond to the direction that our our denomination appears to be heading given the recent uh, synod decisions from this year and from 2022. And so there's a lot to say, a lot to touch on. Uh, I don't think we can say that we are the uh, bona fide uh, 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 reporters or <laughs> journalists of the CRC with all of the credentials for, for being that, but we are two pastors who try to keep an eye on things and try to listen and uh, be aware of what's happening within our denomination. And so we hope that this episode is therefore a little bit easy to understand. Mm-hmm. It's accessible, it's approachable, and just kind of getting a grasp for all that is taking place. Yeah, I hope that we can be helpful to just the average listener who maybe is a member of a Christian Reformed Church here in Central California or um, throughout the country, throughout Canada maybe. Um, I know that we also have listeners in other countries who could be following the CRC. Um, Maybe you're not all that aware of the ins and outs of what the denomination is all about and so forth, but um, this is kind of a snapshot of... A, um, of a denomination that is experiencing some conflict. Uh, certainly we can just name that right now. Um, and um, overall, the, the conflict is, um, it's really seen in this matter of um, same-sex activity and uh, whether or not that is sinful. So um, Synod 2022 uh, took a, a, a strong stand for the traditional position that uh, same-sex activity um, is against the will of God, and then same uh, Synod twenty twenty three um, also uh, sort of confirmed that mm-hmm. uh, didn't quite need to ratify that earlier vote like what happens in some other Presbyterian denominations, but um, but the the body was consistent from twenty twenty two to twenty twenty three, and so um, I don't think that that just means that that's the one issue that we're focused on. But often we've seen that the issue of how people uh, respond to this, this matter of homosexuality has a lot to do with hermeneutics and how we read the Bible, how we, under, how we apply scripture passages to our lives today. Um, and I know that that was actually the argument that was made by many United Reformed people who left the denomination over the women in office issue in the 90s, where um, mm-hmm. I, I read reports from pastors who had left um, who said it's it's not the women in office issue per se? It's that it's that issue was revealing a hermeneutic that is different mm-hmm. um, from uh, what is what was 
regarded by the people who left as it was regarded as a deviation from the traditional reformed hermeneutic. So yeah, normally in in things like this, there's the sort of precipitating factor that uh, leads to the conversation that that brings division. But if you if you're honest and you look deeper, you can begin to tell that there's so many more things at work than just that that one factor. And yeah. So in the case here, it's of course. Uh, human sexuality with a particular focus on homosexual uh, activity uh that's really not it that's sort of the tip of the iceberg <laughs> that's you really might say. really yeah. the tip of the iceberg yeah. and as with any iceberg there's a lot more underneath than there is that is above the surface yeah. and so that has brought all of these deeply confessional conversations uh into focus that i think are more and more beginning to happen as a result of uh, Synod 2019 and putting together, well, Synod 2016, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Putting together yep. the uh, the committee to work on the HSR and then it being uh, published in 2019. Mm-hmm. And then with COVID, the church had three years to think it over and to uh, discuss it. And so now here we are having these these really deep and ongoing conversations that are difficult for our denomination and I think that's going to be painting, of course, a little bit of this this episode here mm-hmm. as we look back on where we've been this year. Uh, there is a good bit of division. There's a, a good bit of uh, frustration and pain and grief. Um, there's people who are feeling excited about where the CRC is going. I think we would happily count ourselves among them while recognizing that there are people who are also feeling grief. And I don't want to be... Uh, making their grief worse. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be trying to to party and be excited because of their grief. That's not in any ways my intention uh, or I think our goal here. It's just to sort of take stock of, of where we are and to think about the future. And I, I think we are hopeful, especially given what we have seen. Uh, we here at Reformed Podmatics, it's clear our positions. We've made them clear all mm-hmm. along. Uh, and so we're hopeful. Uh, but where have we been? What are some things yeah. that we've seen this past year uh, as we've come to Synod 2023 and now uh, and all the events that have taken place afterwards? Well, the big question, the big word, the word of the year in the Christian Reformed Church was gravamen. Um, <laughs> Without I mean, a doubt, that's yes. That's got to be the case because, uh, again, I know that we have a lot of lay listeners who aren't really into the theological lingo and church polity details, and mm-hmm. so a gravamen is is really, you could just call it an exception. So mm-hmm. I'm taking exception to something that is, in our case, believed in a denomination. Um, a, a person um, has, has an issue with one of the, the doctrines of the church. This has happened in a few cases in the past where um, a professor at the seminary, for example, um, disagreed with, with um, part of the canons of Dort and, um, and said, and he and so he filed a gravamen as uh, a desire to change what the the Christian mm-hmm. Reformed Church believes about um, I, I believe it was reprobation, right? It had something to do with uh, yes. Um, I haven't so re- was, re- I haven't read yeah. Cedric Parcell's article recently, but he does go into that on. There's an article on gravamen in the Abide Project's website, right? And so um, so, anyways, that has been something that's been used in the past to attempt to change the the um the beliefs um by the one from the one at filing the gravamen they would say they want us to be more in line with what god's word teaches and so they file a gravamen uh to to seek that change and so um what's happened now is with synod 2022 approving the human sexuality report not only in a general sense but in the very precise sense of calling it a confessional matter that um, that it is our interpretation of question and answer 108 of the Heidelberg Catechism that when the Catechism warns against unchastity or mm-hmm. unchaste behavior, it is including in that that word um, homosexual activity, um, use of pornography, of polygamy, and um, any any sort of other things that the that we believe the Bible prohibits, and so um, it it became a, a confessional matter. Uh, yep. And and um, and so that was 2022, and now in 2023, the question rose: What if I disagree with that? And yeah. that's what we're 
really we spent a lot of time working out over the past year because there are um, many in the Christian Reformed Church. Um, if you go by votes, maybe about 20% of synodical de- delegates were against the HSR, 20 to 30%. Um, so there are going to be a lot of churches, pastors, um, office bearers mm-hmm. that disagree with the decision that was made. Um, what do they do now that it's been deemed a confessional matter? Yeah, so historically with those gravamen, it might be helpful for people who have no idea to know that uh, that there were two kinds of gravamen. One kind was a a way for an office bearer, so a pastor, an elder, a deacon, or a professor to say, hey, I need help. Uh, I I don't quite understand our confession's position on Mm -hmm. X, Y, or Z doctrine, so please come alongside me and help help guide me into alignment with it. Uh, The other kind of gravamen was... I get what our confession says, and I strongly disagree with it, and I think we as a denomination should change our confessions yeah. to come into alignment with what I deem to be a better and more biblical way of looking at something, which is a valid option. It, I don't think that there's been much success over the years with doing that, with changing the confessions, uh, but we are open to to that as a consideration, I think. What has happened, though, with the, with the, the Grabman, uh, it has slowly over the course of time morphed into a sort of uh, semi-permanent objection or exception to Mm -hmm. our confessions that I can take so long as my counsel or those in authority over me are okay with me, with me making. And so uh, if your counsel was okay with an elder, let's say, saying that I take exception to infant baptism in my heart of hearts, I believe that infants shouldn't be baptized, uh, Maybe in some cases, a, a council, the rest of the council would have said, yeah, that's okay. We don't mind that. We'll allow you to participate. That gets, if, the, if that is the practice, which we are debating right now mm-hmm. in the life of the CRC, uh, if that is the case, then why wouldn't it be the case where a pastor in the CRC who holds to the more progressive uh, side of things, why couldn't they just give a gravamen or take an exception to uh, Heidelberg Catechism's uh, 108, 108 question and answer 108 on what it means by unchastity if if they could take exceptions to things at will so long as their counsel uh, allows them to then why wouldn't they be able to do that here that's part of the issue no. uh, and so as i think has been well argued by cedric parcells in his articles on the gravamen issue that's actually not a course that the CRC has historically allowed for anyone, any minister, office bearer, professor, to just take at will an exception just to say, hey, I'm not trying to change the denominational position. I'm just trying to keep my good conscience. Uh, the historic position of the CRC, it seems to me, uh, is that you, you should leave if you can't get into alignment with the confessional teachings on whatever doctrine. Yeah, there's there's a lot of attention, I would say almost all the attention in these Gravamen conversations has been on um, policy, on institutions. They're very institutional conversations. Like, can I, can I uh, be an office bearer in this church? Um, is, it, is it permissible for me to... And, and often those questions are of a more institutional nature, like how do we relate, um, you know, at Calvin University or Calvin Seminary, um, can we send delegates to synod who disagree with the HSR and so forth? Mm-hmm. I'd, I'd like to turn away from the institutional conversation a little bit more towards the personal spiritual side of that. Hmm. So um, a, a minister like like you and I, are called to promote and defend the doctrines of the Christian Reformed Church, to promote and defend them. Yeah. And so um, we took that oath, I, I believe, with integrity, and that's what we're going to do. Yeah. And so um, to me, it's, it's more a matter of integrity than a matter of institutional mm-hmm. engagement, if that makes sense. Um, so much of the attention is put on how... Um, you know, what are we going to do with, with office bearers in different places and so forth? But I, I would like to get maybe down to a lower level, you might say, um, what's happening in this person's heart. Like, I, you know, I've had interactions with people 
who disagree with the HSR and the decisions of previous synods that were made. And, um, you know, in one case, somebody saying, I've, I've never openly taught against what the CRC says. Mm-hmm. And, and to me, that's falling short, though, of the call of a CRC minister, which is to promote what the CRC yeah. believes yeah. And, and to do so with integrity, believing what you're saying. Yeah, because you could be um, undermining it without yep. teaching directly against it. Absolutely. And uh, so and it's I think easy to do. And that really gets to the, the, the spiritual nature of the conversation where do we want a gravamen process which yeah. is allowing people to to sort of be divided against themselves in mm-hmm. a lot of ways where they're they're going to say they believe what the Christian Reform teaches church teaches, but they know that um sort of they're they're crossing their fingers almost mm-hmm. um in in signing something like a covenant for office bearers um i yeah i hope that we can grow in the, as a denomination towards unity and that unity requires a common belief mm-hmm. um including in this matter which is what synod decided in 2022 yeah if anyone listening has followed the work of paul vanderclay i think uh, it's been interesting to hear his reflections he did an episode a couple of weeks ago uh, i think which he titled the five stages of mm-hmm. nightmare for crc progressives which as paul is often able to do he comes up with these crazy titles that are very descript and give you a good picture of what he's going to be talking about. I don't yeah. always understand the titles of his episodes, especially if they're not CRC related, but it sounds like he is tinkering with coming up with an overture to, to about this very issue about how to deal with those who are in our denomination as office bearers who uh, aren't in alignment with these things. So I'll be curious to see, what Paul does. It may be something creative. Uh, Paul's kind of a, a creative thinker. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm personally curious to see that. I, I don't know how much uh, we want to turn this all into a witch hunt yeah. uh, of, of office bearers. I think that uh, that wouldn't, that wouldn't be healthy. Uh, so maybe there's some sort of creative way we could figure out uh, a way for office bearers who have disagreements with the confessions uh, to, Maybe there's there are certain things we could say are we're willing as a denomination for pastors to have disagreements on, and maybe there's certain things that we're not willing for pastors to have disagreements on. Yeah, sure, uh, that would be an interesting conversation. Personally, that I'm just kind of thinking out loud here, yeah. so no, don't I, take what I say with, with too much well, seriousness. And that's where I get back to the personal, the integrity matter, because. Yeah. Um, I know that occasionally people from a more progressive mindset will listen to our podcast. And um, so if, if I've just described you or, you know, somebody who's listening, who is a, who is who disagrees with the HSR and is an office bearer, um, it's, it is a matter of integrity for mm-hmm. that person. Um, and this is just the issue of the day. Um, there are other issues. There's been people who, uh, are office bearers who disagree with uh, the, the sovereignty of God in the Ref- uh, the Christian Reformed Church. I know mm-hmm. um, Alvin Plantinga has has sort of come out in some ways against some of the teachings of the Canons of Dort, yeah. um, and and other pastors as well in in previous decades who, um, you know, they they struggle with with not just a a peripheral mm-hmm. thing that was taught in a local church, but with the confession themselves. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, if we want to maybe broaden things a little bit, I've, I've heard people speak very disparagingly about the canons of Dort in general. Mm-hmm. And so if, if that's really where someone is at, um, and it's one of our confessions, uh, I would just encourage that person as a matter of integrity to, um, to evaluate if this is the denomination that you really want to serve in because this is something yeah. that we believe and that we're supposed to not just not teach against, but mm-hmm. uphold and promote um, yeah. as a, a great representation of biblical teaching on, in the Canons of Dort's case, salvation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great point. And if you if you don't truly believe that it's worth promoting, then you shouldn't act as though you do. Uh, and like, like you said, this is a matter of integrity, <clears throat> and you should see you should want to be a part of a denomination that. Uh, 
not only teaches what you would believe with, but you, where you can be able to advance what you genuinely believe is the truth. Uh, and so if you believe that position is unbiblical, you should not want to be in a denomination that continues to promote it being a biblical thing. And so, or seek to make the change. Yeah. Or seek to make the change, yep. which yep. I don't think you would successfully no. make in terms of writing off the entire canons of Dort, but, yep. uh, Perhaps if there was something that you could you could change, uh, you could get people to listen. Uh, that would be worthwhile. But uh, it, it is uh, unlikely in many cases mm-hmm. that the changes people are seeking will take place. Uh, but but yeah, there, I'm I'm going to be curious. I think it sounds yeah. like Paul has a has some sort of idea about creating a timeline for people who are mm-hmm. out of alignment with mm-hmm. the confessions to consider coming back into alignment. And so instead of us, let's say, kicking them out in all Senate 2024, those who are not in perfect alignment, it sounds like Paul may put forward some sort of thing about allowing people time to yeah. reconsider for themselves. And I'm not sure how I feel about that, but I'd be curious to see uh, some of his ideas and, and, and others that come in, because as you said, Mark, Graviman is the word of 2023. And it was the word that I think was so controversial, partly because at Synod 2023, there that was the whole section of the Synod's agenda that did not get yeah. Yeah. Uh, get completed. And so it was sort of pushed down the road into Synod 2024, which may have been for the best, it turns out. Uh, I have sort of mixed feelings. I wish that the work would have been completed, but... Mm. Maybe it was uh, God's good providence. I think that we could say that it is uh, because it has taken place. And so God knows what he's doing. And it could be for the best for our denomination to have this time to think it over and to allow those who are clearly out of alignment to consider their options as well, which does seem to be taking place. I think in classes Grand Rapids East, from everything I can tell, there's a lot of conversations taking place about where the different churches of that classes will go, what moves they will take. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as I know right now, there's none in Grand Rapids East who have already chosen to leave. I don't think so, yeah. Uh, but there have some, there are some who have taken clear stances against the teaching of, of the HSR, and so that is going to continue to unravel in the months ahead. And mm-hmm. so Synod 2024, I think, clearly will be a very big deal in the life of our denomination. Yeah, I um thinking again about this sort of institutional versus personal. I um I guess I just one thing that I hope for the CRC moving forward is That is a good point by the way. is well, I, I I'm I'm thinking about how things actually work and um the per, it starts with the personal. Are are we making an oath in integrity to uphold and support and 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 promote the um the doctrines of our church? Um, I, I feel like in studying some other denominations that have gone through similar types of things, there is often a very institutional mindset mm-hmm. where people feel like, um, well, I do disagree with this part of what we teach, but I would like to serve in you know, some sort of higher office of some type. And mm-hmm. so um, I can just kind of keep quiet about this thing. Like, for example, um, our confessions disallow annihilationism. Mm-hmm. Um, so annihilationism is this idea that um, that the soul will will cease to exist um, because of God's grace for those who are maybe currently um, suffering, but uh, at the return of Christ, they their soul will be annihilated, and only those who are mm-hmm. saved will remain. Um, I have a friend who may, you may be hearing from, Mark. Yeah, well, and <laughs> as, so if he hears this episode, <laughs> well, um, and so in the Christian Reformed Church, um, yeah, both in the confessions themselves and then in particularly the work of like Herman Bovink and Louis Burkhoff, argues you know against mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. that doctrine, and so um, I use that as an example as uh, to say that it, somebody could say, well, I'm an annihilationist. I'll just sort of keep quiet about that while I serve at the university or at the seminary or, or at um, in some denominational agency or so forth. And I don't have anybody in mind as I say that, but it's just an example of um, a desire to function in the institution, which could be a good desire. You know, somebody wanting to serve the church, mm-hmm. be a teacher, be 
um, an advocate of some, some type um, to be a curriculum writer. But that's just that's I always want to pull it back to the personal matter of integrity, hmm. um, and um, not just for the person's sake, but for the denomination's sake, so that we can grow in our trust of those who are in authority at the seminary and the university and in denominational agencies. Um, again, I don't really have specific people in mind as I say that, but um, what we what I hope happens in the future of the CRC is we would grow in trust that we are on the same page, <laughs> um, that we, um, we believe and will promote the, the teachings of the Christian yeah. Reformed Church um, because I, I think that what we have had in previous, say, decades is some of that response that I, I referenced earlier where I haven't disagreed with some of the things that the, the CRC has, has said openly, mm-hmm. um, but neither has have some of those people promoted what we do believe, and so what we end up having is kind of a watering down of our um, Reformed theological identity. Hmm. So um, I, I hope that we can move in that direction of promoting the doctrines we say we believe. Yeah, that, that brings up an interesting question. I'll, I'll, I'll be interested to hear what you think about this, Mark. What would you think about an elder coming onto a, a council and saying, hey, look, I'm happy to serve as an elder. I would like that. And say the church voted him in and approved yeah. him. Uh, but I, I'm an annihilationist. Uh, what would your approach be to that? And part of me thinks, well, I'm actually really happy that somebody has studied an yeah. issue enough yeah. and actually cares about what the Word of God teaches enough to have a strong opinion. I think elders should be... Uh, Bold in their opinions, bold in their in their convictions, and what they uh, believe to be true, uh, and not just be sort of well, you know, whatever, whatever my denomination believes, I just kind of go with that. I like to have somebody who has some backbone and stands up. But yeah. w- what would you do? I'm, we've never had this uh, yeah. occasion happen in this, in our church, so I'm, I'd be curious. Yeah, well, I don't I don't believe that that person should serve as an elder. I, I think that. Um, Maybe underneath part of that that question is sometimes we think in terms of sort of a strata of authority in mm-hmm. the Christian Reformed Church, like there's the local church elder, there's the pastor who is maybe has a little bit more authority because of involvement in different things, and then there are people at denominational levels above that and, mm-hmm. and so forth. And so um, we, we get almost pulled into sort of a business model mentality like yeah. – um, you know, almost thinking like Zach King is like the CEO over the whole Christian Reformed Church, and he's the yeah. general secretary right now of the denomination. But that's not how Reformed polity works. Yeah, and so correct. the elder is is an authority, and um, will would likely be delegated to classes, mm-hmm. and could possibly be delegated to synod. Mm-hmm. And to to have those those positions of influence, every elder should be qualified and capable to be delegated to classes, to be delegated to synod, mm-hmm. to serve in in positions of, of broader authority in the Christian Reformed Church. And so um, I think a person should come in, uh, say, to the, to the role of elder, prepared for that sort of engagement in the Christian mm-hmm. Reformed Church. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I, I would suggest that that person would not be considered an elder, um, again, because mm-hmm. of not being in alignment with uh, particularly some of the, the earlier parts of the Heidelberg Catechism, which teach very specifically against annihilationism. Yeah. And so the same would go, I'm guessing, for someone who did not believe infant baptism yeah, was, yeah, same thing. was valid. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Interesting. So, but, and all of it does relate to this conversation of gravamen. Yeah, totally. Um, because, uh, again, we want to we be on the same page and say and really believe what we say we believe. Um, some of my most discouraging moments in ministry have come listening to um, much more senior pastors than I who have you know, sort of behind closed doors said things like, you know, I don't I don't really think that the catechism is right about this mm-hmm. or that, oh, those canons of Dort, you know, if only we could just sort of make them a historical document. It, yeah. It, it's, yeah. And so that's been tremendously discouraging to me because uh, what, I've, what, I've, what I have seen then is um, someone who has served in the CRC, and I, I 
we, I would guarantee that he has not promoted what we say we believe. And we've said this on the podcast before that, that Pastor Zach and I believe the teaching of the Heidelberg Catechism, Belgian Confession, and Kenneth Dort to be helpful for the building up of the saints in our church and in the broader CRC. Yeah. Um, and, and so uh, I, I hope that we can move a, a little bit away from that, um, that, that I, I wouldn't say it's a tendency, but that uh, leniency or, or sort of looseness, doctrinal looseness mm-hmm. that has been permitted for a very long time in the CRC. Yeah, yeah, I think that, that that's true, and I think that that's part of why I think we are where we are. And this is a broader Reformed conversation that's been happening for a, actually a really long time, especially in the Presbyterian world. Mm-hmm. I went to a seminary that was, by and large, Presbyterian of the PCA sort, the Presbyterian Church in America, uh, and there were lots of conversations I would hear from time to time, or in reading about Presbyterian history, about uh, debates over confessional subscription and how subscription should take place. Mm-hmm. Uh, should it be a almost a verbatim form of subscription subscription to the Westminster Confession and to the shorter and larger catechisms, or should it be sort of a a, a subscription to the system of doctrine contained therein? Uh, right. th- these sorts of dis- discussions have have happened a lot. It seems to me, especially through Cedric Parcells' articles, that the CRC has always held to a the more strict mm-hmm. form of confession, and that there actually has never been a change of holding to the system of doctrine, which is a, a purposefully ambiguous uh, sort of way of wording it mm-hmm. in order to allow someone who maybe disagrees about some quote-unquote particulars uh, to have some leeway uh, Although I think in function, the CRC does hold to that view of subscription uh, and in fact holds to it in a very uh, unhealthy way, I think, that it has just been, you're, you're, just, you're generally reformed, right? And one of the confusing things for me in coming into mm. the CRC is that there's a lot of different meanings to the word reformed. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the identity crisis in the CRC is quite apparent to to me having come from the outside and having learned reformed theology from one particular stream i suppose and then coming in and realizing that in some ways it feels like i'm talking a different language to to some people and so that is an interesting part of mm-hmm. this this whole thing uh, so if we're talking if we're thinking in what we hold to a common system of doctrine but we don't even know what that common system of doctrine is that leads us into some pretty difficult places. And that, I think, is where we are as the CRC right now. Yeah, and um, I know that we've, we've said also in the podcast before something that I, I guess bears repeating is um, I, I like that reference to the system and the, um, the ethos or the, um, the, the hermeneutic of a Reformed church mm-hmm. because I feel like Another way that we could improve as a denomination is is brushing up on our Calvin and on our Bovink and Kuiper and Burkhoff and um, great Reformed theology so that sermons will sound like what a Calvin would say or what Bovink would say or write. Um, you know, Bovink um, loved First John and um, in the biography by James Eglinton that we read on Bovink, he noted that that Bovink actually didn't write that many sermons. He would take this mm. sermon on First John wherever mm. he went, that, um, you know, this is um, uh, basically about the, the, the power of the Christian faith in overcoming the world. Um, mm. And so, uh, just reading that sermon, which is, uh, the sermon is at the end of the, uh, the copy of On Preaching by, by Bovink, Preaching and Preachers, I think is the name of mm. the book, um, which has the text of the sermon at the end of it. It's just full of hope and the glory of God and um, the, the perfection of Christ's work yeah. and the, the power of the Christian faith, not in the worldly sense, but a power to, to overcome obstacles, to overcome the devil, um, that, that God is working in the church um, to do those things in the world. Um, that's the kind of vocabulary I hope we move more into as a denomination. Mm-hmm. 
And so, um, sadly, I think we've gotten to a point where, where you could, uh, we can, you could go to a Christian Reformed church and hear a, a very anthropocentric sermon about, um, you know, just morality at a sort of a base level. Yeah, here's what um, we can do better. Right, or uh, definitely social justice-oriented sermons, which is really the same thing yeah. as well. Here's what you can do better. Um, very, uh, um, they're, so, they're almost so sensitive to the issues of the day, um, which has its place and in, in time, that there's, hmm. there would be very little proclamation of who, who is God, what does the Word of God say for, uh, for the church today, um, and so, yeah, moving forward, I, I'm always hoping that we can move in that direction. I, I, I would love to move past this question of uh, Gravamen and, and so forth. And, um, you know, it, it's a little bit like a, to use a picture of a, of a couple that's about to get divorced. Um, hmm. there's, there's a real loss of an understanding of what the relationship is even supposed to be. And there's so much focus on all of the details and the, mm-hmm. um, like, what do you get? What what am I going to get to keep? What are you going to? Yeah. And and so I feel sadly that we're sort of in that stage in the Christian Reformed Church right now where there's so much less attention on um, the glory of Christ, the sufficiency of the Word of God, just how good God is to us sinful people, and how we have this treasure trove of theology as a Christian Reformed Church. There's so much less focus on that than on, um, you know, who said what at Calvin or uh, what what some other pastor in, in some other place is, is teaching. Um, all of those details are, are, to me, distracting from really the, the thrust of where the CRC needs to be moving, which is um, a joyful proclamation of the gospel. Yeah, there's definitely a breakdown of relationship in the CRC, and I think that that is the result of sin in general, and I think that there's just a loss of trust, Yeah, and that makes living in the CRC quite painful right now. But I, I think that there is uh, a light at the end of the tunnel here. I think that there is hope on the horizon, and there are better, better days ahead for, for us as a denomination, uh, I think in some ways I, I, there are better days ahead for those who are prepared and planning to leave uh, and go off to to different bodies. Uh, though we, we've done an episode in the past about our lament for uh, the lack of discipline that will ensue if people are just able to leave uh, at will. Uh, but uh, at the same time, I do hope that those who do choose to go that route, that they find themselves able to focus more on the beauty and goodness of God uh, and that they are struck with his goodness and his righteousness mm-hmm. and with his glory and shown in his grace and Christ for sinners. Uh, and I, I genuinely mean that, I, but I also think that in the CRC, CRC things are going to, are going to get better. It, w- it will be a matter of time. And I think that there is much to be excited about in the future for the CRC. Mm. Uh, Mark, in the past, we've done sort of uh, jokes about our Nostradamus caps <laughs> uh, and just sort of trying to our best to look ahead to the future and considering what, what may happen. Mm-hmm. We we really have no idea. Uh, I, I certainly am no prophet, so I, I don't know the future. Yeah. Uh, but what does it appear uh, like things are heading towards in the CRC, if we could think about that. I think that people are really wondering how things are going to uh, happen in the next few months as as we have our spring classes meetings all mm-hmm. around the, the two countries and as we prepare for Synod this coming June. Yeah. We're only six months away. Where do we think the CRC is, is heading? Well, um, I, I think things are going to become a lot more difficult before yeah. they... They sort of be before peace returns, you yeah, might I say, to the CRC, accurate hopefully there. it does. Um, I think in terms of being a being a parent of four children, um, what it what it looks like to discipline my children, and um, you know, I some very good advice that I once heard is when you want to discipline, you're not equipped to do it well. Hmm. So um, for for those in the Christian Reformed Church who are excited about casting out 
pastors and churches, um, they are not, those people are not equipped to do, to discipline well, mm. but, um, that that same teaching said when you know you have to discipline mm-hmm. and you believe that you can do so with self-control then you have to you need to for um for the sake of in in my case the family yeah. um, and, and the 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 the, nourish, the the growth of my child mm-hmm. um in righteousness and in the case of the christian reformed church we're going to have those moments where we don't want to you know in, in sort of our um our, our feelings are, are maybe pulling us away because relationship um, is difficult in those scenarios, but we yeah. know that we have to based on how God's word sort of points us. And, and so I think that there's going to be a lot of those moments hmm. in the future of the CRC where we have to make some hard decisions, not in a, um, not in like an authoritarian way, um, as though we're like wielding our power, mm-hmm. like Jesus said, like the um, the pagans do over over people who are beneath them. Um, but searching our hearts, knowing that it, it could be the time for discipline in the future, um, I hope that we have the courage to do that, like a a good father needs to in a home. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, I um, I think that that it's very likely. I'm, the Lord could bring repentance for, for those who are are teaching what is false, and and for for counsels to turn from, uh, from encouraging wickedness, which is what's happening in some Christian Reformed churches right now, um, and I and I hope that they would turn from from that evil, um, but uh, if that doesn't happen, it's going to be time for mm-hmm. the the Christian Reformed Church to 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 do some of that disciplinary work which we don't do with joy, uh, we do with mm-hmm. some sadness, hoping that there would be restoration for those pastors and churches in the future even. Yeah, I think from everything I can gather, it seems to me that many progressive churches and classes who lean in that direction are gearing up for what's to come, and uh, it sounds like they're, many of them are getting prepared to make official statements of being open and affirming churches, mm-hmm which will, given the context, be a clear uh, step out of line with where we are heading as a denomination, which will then bring things even more to a head than they currently are, uh, because it will show us what what discipline needs to take place and where it needs to take place. Mm -hmm. It will no longer be an ambiguous kind of discipline. Whoever disagrees with this must be disciplined. We will know who disagrees with it. And so all of these things, I think, are coming to the surface, which uh, if you're one, wanting just peace and, and rest and happiness, uh, these sorts of things don't bode well. I don't think we're going to have yeah. a lot of kumbaya in the next six months. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be difficult. But I, I think something I can appreciate in, in the churches that are going to be making these stands is that they are putting their necks on the line. They are living in some way with integrity. I think that they are living without integrity and that they're existing in a denomination that confessionally mm-hmm. clearly teaches against these things, but they are being honest about it, being honest <laughs> about their disagreements. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think that that's commendable and it's like a husband who is honest about his adultery. Yeah. And yeah. So it's really the same thing, but yeah. it's no, I, I agree with your point that yeah. it's good to have it in the light. It's going to be in the light. And so that's going to make it painful in a lot of ways. Yeah. I, for, and I think those churches who make those statements will experience a lot of pain themselves uh, because there will be inevitably those in their pews who disagree with, with their statements. And so uh, I know that that's the case for many out there already. That it's, it's hard if you're a conservative in a progressive church uh, to be in that situation uh, this is sort of like the Matt Tuninga story at Grace mm-hmm. CRC in Grand Rapids East, and so. Uh, Why don't you go into that? Maybe give the Cliff's Notes version of. Yeah, maybe you can correct yep. me. I just know what I've heard from Paul Vanderclay's show and from a little bit that I've read on on the Banners uh, Classes Watch article. But uh, in September of 2022, so this is just a couple of months after Synod 2022, which took place in June. Uh, Grace CRC in Grand Rapids uh, 
put out an official statement of their own that they are a welcome welcoming church, open and affirming to to all LGBTQ uh, people who wish to follow Christ among them and to participate in the full life of the church. So that means that they could have any office. Now, this is coming in the wake of what had just mm-hmm. taken place at Senate 2022. Not only was there a vote uh, to affirm the HSR and its teaching of unchastity, but uh, also where Senate 2022 uh, tasked, you might say, or gave uh, the uh, command for Neeland Avenue, who had recently, not recently, but a few, few years prior, mm-hmm. uh, ordained a deacon who was a lesbian in a, a uh, lesbian relationship. And they they asked that she be stepped down, or they, they commanded that she step down and that the church come into alignment. Of course, that did not take place, although in She's God's no providence, longer, she was no longer a deacon, yeah. I think, because her term had finished. And so uh, this church makes this statement, Grace Church makes this statement, and uh, in January of 2023, so earlier this year, Matthew Tuninga, who is an ethics professor uh, and moral theologian at Calvin Seminary, uh, he, being a member of this church, filed, uh, I guess what you would call an appeal to Classus, mm-hmm. uh, to, to, which was Classus Grand Rapids East, uh, to say that they his church was out of alignment and the classes needed to get involved. Now, of course, this is all complicated by the fact that this that the majority of this classes seems to be uh, open and affirming, mm-hmm. and so it's probably it seems to me just going to be uh, going now to Synod twenty twenty four. As far as I know, nothing much has taken place uh, since Tuninga's appeal, other than the classes saying yes. Actually, we agree that that Grace Church's position is out of alignment with the CRC's confessional position Mm -hmm. given Synod 2022's uh, actions, but it doesn't seem that much has been done about this, and so the classes hasn't gotten involved. Grace CRC is continuing in its path, and I think that these sorts of things don't don't look good for churches in this sort of position as it regards Synod 2022, which I think will get involved and will have to get involved. Mm and and do something uh from the synod which i think in my understanding is quite rare i don't think synod typically gets involved with local church congregations i think it has happened but maybe only once or twice in our whole history yeah so that sets an interesting precedent for some possible actions that individual members could take in some of those other churches that have um, openly taught now against the the, the doctrines of the Christian Reformed Church. Um, mm-hmm. But that's not just Grand Rapids East congregations, but um, some others as well throughout uh, Canada and the far reaches of the United States. Mm-hmm. So um, that, that, that's kind of an interesting story to, to follow, is um, will it set some sort of precedent for how um, mem- individual members could come to their council with a, sort of a, a theological grievance against them, mm-hmm. and, um, and then that going to classes that that could be a good way for things to be kept at a council classes level instead of always going to synod. Like, um, I could imagine a church um, in in a different classes maybe goes uh, against the teaching of the Human Sexuality Report, and um, and then the classes being made aware of this by an individual member of that church would come alongside uh, with church visitors and mm-hmm. and so forth. Um, it is possible that a classist could depose a council. Um, yeah. That could happen in the Christian Reformed Church. Which technically very rare. should have happened in this case with, right. with Grace CRC, yeah. but it has not happened. Yeah, and so uh, basically Grand Rapids East said they have broken covenant, but um, I, I don't know. I don't know what the next step is beyond that. Um, because yeah, because I, this, this I, I'm, classist I'm, isn't getting involved, right? And they, they're not being deposed from everything that mm-hmm. we know. So um, again, it, it's it's very sticky stuff. It's a difficult situation in, in each of these cases. Um, but uh, it's uh, it's something that we as ministers are called into. I, maybe my last comment will be um, will be one of encouragement. And and I mean that in in the, sort of the etymological sense, encouragement. We need courage to hmm. to go 
the uh, on this path forward. I think that when a lot of people become pastors and elders and deacons, they expect it to be a nice spiritual experience where um, there's just going to be, you know, support and uh, <laughs> um, it, it's it's a nice thing to do with your life, almost like working for a little nonprofit somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, what in what in reality, what we find is our spiritual enemy, the devil, is at work against the church and. Um, there's a reason that Paul says to put on the armor of God so that we can take our stand. Mm-hmm. Um, he says that twice, so you can stand in the day of battle. Um, and uh, there's also a reason Paul says we don't fight with the weapons of the world, but with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and the left. And so um, he uses that militaristic language because ministry is hard. Mm-hmm. And so to prepare for uh, difficult ministry that is uh, truthful and full of love and um, quick to extend grace and, and generosity, um, but also that, that holds to what God's Word clearly teaches. And so um, whether you, listener, are a member of a local Christian Reformed Church or an office bearer or a minister, I think it is time to be encouraged, to get courage, and to recognize ministry does include these difficult moments, but it's done for—we we, we walk through them— Hmm. Um, so that God would be glorified through us. Yeah, that's that's what ministry is all about. It's not going to be easy. There's going to be difficulties. We are shepherds, and there are <laughs> wolves, yeah. and there are things that we have to defend the flock from and, and feed the flock for. And so <laughs> we continue to, to move forward. I, I think that we're now approaching the stage in the CRC's conversation that's been unfolding since at least 2016, really since long before that, mm-hmm. uh, about the Human Sexuality Report and about the topic of homosexuality in general. I think we're approaching the stage of the beginning of the end. Mm. I think 2024 will be a very decisive uh, synod for our denomination in regards to uh our family and who is mm-hmm. able to stay and who was who's needing to go. I think that there may be still some developments that take place after 2024, but I think mm-hmm. in Senate 2022, a line was drawn in the sand about how far we, or we, you shall not pass this, this line. Yeah. And, and that was sort of a decision-making moment. Now I think it's going to come down to, uh, our, our fellowship and who who can stay and, and who will need to leave. And I, th- I think it'll be just as momentous as 2020, uh, 2024, or 2022, excuse me. Mm-hmm. It'll, it'll be a big moment in the life of our congregation and in our, or our de- denomination, excuse me. Uh, and so let's pray. Yeah. <laughs> let's continue yeah. to pray for our church, for those on all sides of this question and these issues. Uh, that God's will would be done and that he would be glorified on earth as he is in heaven. Yeah. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. Have a great conclusion to the year 2023. It's been a, a big year for us as a church. And, um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, hopefully and we, as a podcast, I yes, think. <laughs> yeah. Um, maybe for those who are curious, we've had about 18,000 downloads over the past 12 months, which is a huge, huge blessing to us. Thank you to listeners in... United States and Canada and the United Kingdom, Singapore, the Philippines, Costa Rica, Australia. I know that those are a lot of the top nations where Which there are regular. Incredible. Argentina being another one. Um, and so... Uh, I can't believe all of you guys listen I to know. us. <laughs> so, so reach out. Uh, you can check our website, almondvalley.org, for our contact information. And uh, we'd love to hear, especially if you're from one of those faraway places. Oh, um, man, we'd love would to hear awesome. your story and connect with you. So... Um, until 2024, we, uh, we say God bless you and uh, have a great Christmas celebration. All right. Grace and peace, you guys. 